G'day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name is Lloyd Grolleman, I am the Aussie Pastor and we are live all over our great big sunburn country from coast to coast and I'm glad you're here. Huge, huge, huge big welcome and I'm coming to you from our studios in northwest Sydney, Richmond actually, dry, that's right, this time last year my studio was underwater but we're dry, God is blessing us and we're looking forward to a great day with Jesus. Andrew Hunt. Hello mate. How are you my friend? So good to be here and listeners, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Have you had a good week? I've had a great week. Of course. We're you know on, why? Yeah, because we're on the road video. We are. We're on the road. We both like to do that to get out, don't we, and do Fresh some air. Out. When will those programs be up? Soon. <laughs> That's the best answer I've heard from you for some time. Very, very smart answer considering you've got to shoot them. Actually, you shoot the video, you do the sound, you do the lighting, you do the editing. Have I missed anything out there? Post-production. Post-production, <laughs> pre-production, the whole lot. In fact, I'm a nightmare to work with, aren't I? Let's no. Yes, I am. You're it, actually very skilled. In fact, uh, when I point the camera at you, you normally get most things one take, which is unheard of. Hunty likes, though, to have an idea of where we're going. I do. I like the script. And He's shot list. He hasn't had a script with me in 15 years. I get deadly. I tell you what, it causes a fair bit of stress on you, doesn't it? <laughs> no, nah, it's fine. Ah, uh, we're doing our best. Hey, you if you wanted to watch the stuff we uh, put out, Hunty, uh, can the, you go to the Aussie Pasta? Yeah, the best place is to go to our YouTube channel. Yeah, but can, if you wanted to watch it, join up. No one, we're doing these big programs. Go to aussiepasta.com and hit the sign up button. Yeah, and then we don't. We certainly don't send out. Messages for every single program we no, do, but any of the, the big, big ones, ones, the big series, you get a message from us just letting you know. And yep, um, I'd love you to do that. So sign up. So how do you do it, Hunty? AussiePasta dot com. And there's a sign up page right in the, front. In the middle of the front screen. Yeah, so I'd yep. encourage you to do that. Um, have you been enjoying your week, Hunty? Or mate, it's been great. Yeah, I'm living in the lap of luxury. Well, what's happening is I'm in the swag, and Hunty's sleeping in the back of his car. My Jeep is very comfortable. Thank you. <laughs> How shall I describe the swag? Uncomfortable. Are we we the cheapest television, video, outreach ministry in the world? There's not many below us. Most guys, when they go around, go for teams, stay in hotels. Or motorhomes. Yeah, and all that stuff. Hunty and I camp by the side of the road. We do. He's often in a tent. It depends which car we take. This last, the last trip we took your car, so yeah. I was in a tent. He, and I was in the car. And this trip we're on in my car, so you're in the tent. <laughs> Next trip will be in my car. <laughs> Actually, I don't mind the tent. I just got myself a new swag. Got it on special for $200. It's about a metre above my head, which is better than the other swag I had, Hunty, which is what, about 50 millimetres. Mate, when we were in the Nullarbor last year... The wind blew so hard, oh, the tent blow right in onto my nose. Actually, when that <laughs> night, re- remember we were in the Nullarbor. I reckon it was blowing a hundred k. I reckon the wind. It, it was westerly. Big. It was whistling. It yep. was it was whistling across the desert. It was cold, and we went to put the tents up. We just couldn't. We couldn't get the pegs in the ground. It was, no. it was blowing a uh, a gale. And Hunty said, "Look, I'm going to go and try and get a motel room." And he went. And you remember we got the last we one. We snagged one. Yeah, the last one. Said, I think that was the night that Bruce snored all night and kept me. <laughs> <laughs> if you're out there, Bruce, here's yeah. my cousin. Yeah. God loves you and so do we, brother, it's it. It's even it. if you did. Or was it you snoring that kept me awake? No, been, let's, let's blame Bruce for sure. <laughs> uh, we, had a good, we had a good time. We did. Um, I'm going back to Western Australia, actually, in 2024. They have a big 
camp meeting over there. Looking forward to joining up with all you people over the west. Supposed to be going up to Northern Australia too, to uh, Townsville for nice. a camp meeting there, Hunty. Excellent. So should be a good year as we travel around. Love travelling around Australia. Yeah, me way. too. Hey, this day in history. Don't have a lot today, but a little bit. 1888. I, I don't think you've ever heard of this lady, but I'll bet you've heard of the event. Marianne Nichols is murdered. No. She's murdered. No idea who in that cold is. cold blood yep. in London. Guess who murdered her? Ooh, London. Someone really famous. Don't know who. Jack the Ripper. Oh, yep. You heard of him. No, I've heard of her now. That reminds me. I haven't heard of her until I looked that up, but I've certainly heard of Jack the Ripper. Um, England's, London's first serial killer. They never caught him. But you know what? God knows who he was. That's right. God will judge him. There'll be a day of accounting, Jack the Ripper. Yep. 1957 on this day, August 15. Did I say it's August 15, Hunty? Hope I got that it right. It is August 15. Yep. Uh, 1957, Malaysia gains independence from Britain. Happy Malaysia Day. Ever been to Malaysia? I have. No, I haven't. I'd love to. 1962, Trinidad and Tobago gained independence from England. Mm. Mm. So, so not only is it happy Malaysia Day, it's happy Trinidad and Tobago. You've been to Malaysia and you've been to Trinidad and Tobago. Correct. I know that. Yes. You've been to the West Indies. Sure. Back in 19-something. Yeah. 80s. 80s. Yep. Yeah. Uh, 1966. What do you reckon is the most famous, I reckon, of all fighter jets ever made? Oh, the MiG? No. no. Hey, man, no. You're, you're batting for wrong, the wrong, wrong side country, there, the yeah. MiG. Don't know. What is it? Uh, 1966, uh, the first flight of the Harrier jump jet. Oh, cool. That, that was an English plane. It was a beauty too. 1991, Kazakhstan's independence from Russia. So three countries today, Malaysia, Trinidad and Tobago and Kazakhstan are all celebrating their independence. Happy wherever you're from, if you're from those three, happy Independence Day. Birthdays, 12 AD, Caligula. He was an emperor in Rome. Started off pretty good, actually, but kind of went bad at the end. Uh, He was murdered by the Praetorian Guard. He's only 28 or 9 years of age. Uh, 1940, that was in 12 AD, 1940. On this day, August 15, Jack Thompson has a birthday. famous Australian actor. that's right. And in 1949, Richard Gere. Hmm, Only thing I remember him from was Pretty Woman. Ah, didn't get into that much, but he did do a movie a few years ago about a dog. And in this movie, actually, Richard Gere dies, and it's, it's a story of how the dog for years went to the railway station to wait for him. Very sad, tearjerker. Yep. Yep. And here's a big one, deaths. In 1997, Diana, her car driver, and her boyfriend died in a car accident in Paris. Mm. So this will be a very fat, sad day for the royal family, especially for Harry and mm-hmm. William. Yep. Very sad day indeed. Word for the day. What's your word? Zoosh. Zeus. You got that one? What is it? Zeus. No Spelled idea. Z-H-U-Z-H. Nah, no clue. To make something lively and more interesting. Okay. Zeus. Oh, you mean zhuzh? Well, I don't know how you say it. Yeah, you zhuzh things up. That's it. Yeah, he's like, got that. Hunty tried desperately to zush up Lloyd's <laughs> sermon on video, but try as he might, he could not. I like where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another one. She decided to zush up her outfit with a colourful scarf and some bold jewellery. Zhuzh. you got to say it. Zhuzh. Can't. You can't. All right, fine. <laughs> with just a few new throw pillows and some meaning rearranging of furniture, they say the word. Zhuzhed it up. They zhuzhed up the living room. Woo-hoo. You like that word? I do. It's a great Actually, word. it's a word that's only been around since about the 1980s, 1990s. Really? Yeah, yeah it is. So, look, wherever you are today, we're glad you're on board with us. Hunty, would you like to pray to open our program for us? And again, Certainly. welcome, welcome, welcome. Certainly. 
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for Faith FM. I thank you for my mate Lloyd. And as he opens the Bible this afternoon, Lord, I pray that you'll send your Holy Spirit to bless him so that the message he, he gives to our listeners, Lord, will be valuable and useful for them. But Lord, I pray for our listeners that you will bless them all, grant them peace and their every heart's desire, Lord. As we uh, progress this afternoon, I pray you'll be with us in your precious name, Jesus, I ask. Amen. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor, here on Faith FM. This first song, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, is a song sung by the Voice of Prophecy, Reunion Singing, where they bring all their singers in. Yep. Uh, Voice of Prophecy is a bit like Gaither. Hey, Hunter, you've done some work for them through the years. I have. They're a fantastic Seventh-day Adventist Christian uh, media unit. Media ministry, really? Ministry, yeah, based in the US, yeah. And what did you, you went to Alaska, was that with them? Uh, family reunion, voice prophecy, very that's similar. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's them. Mm, and, mm. and you went up to Alaska, that, that's the time you went up there and you told me that it was daylight all day oh and my goodness. night. It was an absolute freak up for me. I got to bed late one night, about 10, 11 o'clock, looked out the window, and I thought, why is the sun still out? So anyway, I watched TV for a bit, tried to get over my jet lag. One o'clock, sun's sun still out, so I closed the curtains. Next day, I said to the, to the to the people, I said, hey, there's kids out on skateboards at one and two in the morning. I said, don't you guys ever sleep? And they said, well, when the sun's out for six months, we let the kids do whatever they like because for six months of the year, it's pitch black around here. Not my kids if we were in Alaska. <laughs> They'd be still going to bed, son. You can, you can be sure of that. Good song. Let's listen to it. Soft and low Fear not, I am with thee Peace be still In all of life's ebb and flow Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Sweetest name I know Fills my every longing Keeps me singing Cross the broken streams, stirred the slumbering cold. 
coming back to welcome me Far beyond the starry sky I shall wing my flight to worlds unknown I shall reign with Him on high Sing it with us Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Sweetest name I know Fills my every longing Keeps me singing as I go Tells me that my heart of melody Jesus whispers sweet and low Fear not I am with thee song, Hunty. Very happy Absolutely. song. Yeah, don't mind that one. Yeah, me too. Um, news today. Go through a few things, which I find really interesting. This one, the first one, probably is a bit contentious. Uh, I don't know whether it's controversial or not, <laughs> mate. For some people it would be, that's for sure. Why is this flu season taking so long? Well, this year it's taking a lot longer because a lot less people got vaccinated. Now that's a controversial. Nearly thing. a million people less got vaccinated. They got vaccinated late this year too. Did you get flu vaccinated? I did, but late. I was but late. you never used to. What happened to you? Oh my goodness! Because no, I, I remember you'd make this pompous. Oh, it was pompous. a just just so our our <laughs> listeners know, it was a pompous, self-righteous stand. Oh. Tell us your theory. I, I had a theory that my body could develop its own immune system, its own natural way, and there's no way I was going to take any vaccines in my body. Anyway, COVID came, and I had to learn, to, had to learn a new lesson. Uh, <laughs> but that's why the flu season's late, because we all got vaccinated during COVID, but then this year, apathy struck and people didn't get vaccinated or vaccinated late, and now we've got a lot of cases of flu. No apathy with me. I got my flu vaccination. That was a bit late. I know some of our listeners are saying, here goes crazy Lloyd again. That's okay. I used to get the flu, and you're a witness to this, Hunty, every single year, two, three, four I used times. To, I used to ridicule and laugh at you. Two, three. Behind you, your back, of course. Two, three. <laughs> judgment and accountability is coming for you, too. <laughs> two, three, four times a year I'd get the flu. So this year, of course, I took the flu injection. I've been having it for a few years now. Um, this year in my house, my son got the flu. Dear old Bruce got the flu. Liz can never get the flu. Me, the flu every time, boy, I didn't get it again. I felt it coming, but because I had the flu vaccination. My poor wife, she's been sick for seven weeks with the flu. She's on a third or fourth course of antibiotics, mm. and I'm, I'm still good. Did so she get the flu vaccination? She got it late, I think. Ah. Uh, but okay. anyway, I'm, I don't know how I've survived. I guess vaccinations. It's not a guarantee. Just because you get the vaccination, mm. it's no guarantee that you're going to not get the flu because I think it only covers a couple of the different strains. Correct. Um, but they try to cover the, the most virulent and the most common. Yes. Anyway, if you get, got the flu, you know, vaccination, God bless you. If you choose not to, that's okay too. That's one of, of the things I try to tell people. Hey, if someone chooses to or not to, really it should not impact your friendship with them. It should not impact your relationship with them. should not impact 
anything, hunty. That's right. Because when you got the flu, we were still best mates. Of course. I mean, when you got the flu. <laughs> when you didn't get the flu and vaccination, we'd joke around and stir each other up. We're good mates. We That's don't right. want that sort of exactly. stuff. Same with my church and the COVID vaccination. Some did. Yeah, some did. Some uh, did. Hunty does at the moment, and I don't. That's right. But we still love each other, and we don't get self-righteous about it. We certainly don't make it a tribal thing, and it certainly isn't a test of fellowship on whether you're a believer in mm, Christ. No, I've had my 37th vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> I think I stopped at three. Uh, why did I stop? I don't know. I think the DNA thing was, RNA thing was messing with you. mRNA. mRNA, yeah. I think it was a little bit. I tried to get the other one, the Novax, but couldn't do it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, this next one, temperatures in Saudi Arabia. We're, we're just talking about this week after week. Oh, my goodness. 50 degrees. Have you ever been in 50-degree heat? Once. And you know what? I, the very first time I was in um, Dubai, I went for a bit of an explore. I was in the middle of nowhere out in the desert, and I saw a little building, and I, and I had to drive over and have a look. And it looked like a bus stop, but it was fully air-conditioned and hermetically sealed. Anyway, I drove back to town. I was talking to my mates from Dubai. I said, hey... What's this? And I showed him a photo. I said, yeah, you're right, it's a bus stop. All of ours have to be air-conditioned or people will die hey, in the desert. Didn't you have a hotel booking or something oh, fall through in Abu Dhabi? So you, spent that, you couldn't that get into a hotel trip. because they were all full. That and you ended up sleeping in an Abu Dhabi bus stop. I, I, well, I ended up in, in a nice, comfortable couch in the, in the foyer next to the concierge. Oh, okay, so you weren't... For some reason, I had you in the... Maybe that's in my imagination. No, for the first, the first night, that's where I was. Because but it was air-conditioned, so... The place was booked out and hung. <laughs> Here he is in Abu Dhabi. I had a reservation too, you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It wouldn't um, bother you at all, though, sleeping in that bus stop, nah, if I know fine. you. Fine. No, fine. Was it comfortable? Was it air conditioned? It was air conditioned, so I was happy. So it wasn't, very... co- wasn't comfortable, it was air conditioned. Police never came ac- across you? And... No, thank goodness. This is a guy who sometimes, about once every 300 years, he gets to go to Las Vegas. To the television trade show. To the show. television trade yeah. show. Yeah. How many times have I sent you in 15 years? No, once a couple or twice? Times. Yeah, whatever. Uh, and he goes over there. He doesn't book a hotel. No. He goes over there. I stay awake. He stays awake the whole, what, two days? <laughs> two days, two, stay three. awake. So he goes over there, doesn't sleep much. That takes a day plane, to get there. Gets out, hires a car, goes to Las Vegas, stays awake for 48 hours, turns around, drives home. Oh, that's dangerous to, to LA and catch I normally fly. I normally fly to Vegas. Oh, you fly to Vegas? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When are you going to the next trade show? Um, I'm going to go this year. Oh, no, missed it. Next year I'm going to go. It'll be next year. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and this last news item, alcohol lifts blood pressure. Yes. Doesn't surprise me. Very serious stuff, this, in news, the new findings. There's a lot of people saying that you should drink a little alcohol because it's good for the blood and good for this that and good. That has been, the antioxidants have been promoted as healthful. Well, they probably are. There well, you go. But you only get about a quarter as many accident antioxidants as doing grape juice. I was about to say that. Oh. How do you like that, though? As a Seventh-day Adventist pastor, I'd say the antioxidants in wine probably are healthy for you. Yes. But oh, there's a big the bar. negatives That's right. of alcohol, especially if you're in my job, local pastor, and you're going around into homes and yes. you're seeing the results of alcohol come from a family, not my immediate family, grandparents and uncles and aunties who are alcoholics. Seen what it did to them, the devastation it brought into their homes. When you, you look at the devastation that alcohol brings into the homes of people around Australia, it's pretty hard to justify it at any level. And like you said, the benefits of alcohol, the antioxidants in, in wine, there's more in grape juice. So go and buy Correct. some pure grape You like pure grape juice, Hunty? I do, but it kind of gets kind of a bit of allergic to it, but I love it. Oh, man, I love it. My, mm. Before I got married, 
and my wife got to my health, <laughs> I'd drink a bottle of that stuff a week. Yeah, the pure, mm, and some of the yum. grape juice that around is pure. But not only does alcohol cause problems socially, with, with, yeah, mm. it, it can and often does raise your blood pressure. Correct. Every single time. Correct. Up to five points too, per year. There's a lot of reason to give alcohol up, isn't there? There is. So there are the news stories for today. Um, flu season about to hit. Hey, by the way, I have been in 50 degrees, hunty. In Australia, driving down the freeway from Penrith to Quakers Hill a few years ago. Wow. 52 degrees it was on the freeway. And my car, you know, the old bombs I drive. I had an old bomb Mansa. <laughs> what was that, 2001? And now I've got a 2006 Toyota Corolla. I love it. Mm. Beautiful old car. They don't keep up though on those days mm. uh, but when you see uh, uh, the flu seasons see the temperatures in Saudi Arabia going through the roof see the problems of alcohol in our society look up look up look up you're going to see Jesus soon you're listening to the Aussie pastor here on Faith FM this is a church song I'm unashamed about this hunty most weeks I try to choose at least one church song so people can get a sense of what it's like to go to church and sing. Mm. Um, this is called Marching to Zion. It's from the Whitewall Metropolitan Tabernacle or Temple in Ireland. It's a big Protestant uh, church. I think it's in Belfast. used to be pastored by a guy by the name of James McConnell. James McConnell was a fiery Protestant pastor. He died a couple of years ago. I actually generally think he was a good guy. Loved his sermons. Loved the worship he had in his church. I would have loved to have gone to it and experienced it. But he's passed on. The church has kind of gone another direction, which which I don't like as much. Um, and this is his church singing, marching to Zion. The reason I put this in, because it gives you a concept. And by the way, Hunty, some people will struggle with church music, right? Mm. But when you meet Jesus and he comes in and converts your heart and you get filled with the Holy Spirit... And you start going to church, and you start singing these songs. Some of you aren't going to believe this out here, but the power of these songs and the experience, it's heavenly. And this is a great song talking about Christians who are marching with the help of Christ all the way to heaven.
Hunty, um, you like that song? Are you, are you going to admit song. it? You do like it? I do like it. Oh, okay. Um, when I when I stand in church, because we always sing standing and I sing that song, I get the hair on the back of my neck up. I think about where we're going and the heaven's not far away. Beautiful song. Um, I started a series a few weeks ago. The series is called... Um, trying to remember knowing jesus in uncertain times this first program do you remember what we call yes, it how to survive the end of the world very important mm. i think you'll find it interesting i like preaching this one and again remember this is on radio this mm-hmm. was actually made for television in fact we're actually going to do a replay of this this friday night maybe no we've already done it yeah, we true. A few we weeks have. ago, we yeah. have. You're behind yeah, episode the, three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're about three episodes behind, <laughs> mate. Ah, oh, honey, I love you. <laughs> Let's listen to it. Have you got an interest in the Titanic? I always have had, and I don't know why. Do you know that the other day, and this is ne- this has only ever happened once in my entire life of being online for I don't know how long, but since 2008, I think, honey. I put up a meme of the Titanic and the Ark. It got, listen to this, didn't spend a cent on it, didn't try to get it out there, but this is how much interest there is out there with the Titanic. It got this one meme. A meme is a, how would I explain that? It's a picture of some words that you can put up on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. I would have put it on Instagram. I didn't put it up there. Do you know how many likes it got? 30,000. Do you know how many people shared it? About 15,000. Had so many comments, I couldn't keep up with them. Some of them are vitriolic and not very nice. That's what happens when you're online. In fact, it's a good lesson in being humble to be online and get hit like you do sharing. Jesus, man, you get whacked sometimes. But anyway, we put it up and it said to me there's a lot of interest out there. The Titanic left Southampton April 19... Do you remember what the year was? 12. When it left, a lot of people don't know this, it went past a ship, two ships actually, that were tied to the dock. The Titanic was so big in that day, they took the Titanic too close to the dock. The waves went through, lifted one ship called the SS California up and broke the ropes that were holding it to the dock. Well, when that happened, the back end of the SS California drifted out. And did you know how much it missed the Titanic by? 1.2 metres. And if it had hit the Titanic then none of us would have ever heard of the Titanic because it would have been held up, it would have had to have been repaired and they would never have hit an iceberg. Did you know that the iceberg that they hit fell off two and a half years up in Newfoundland or maybe further north, up Iceland way actually, fell off two and a half years before the Titanic hit it and they've been drifting for two and a half years. That iceberg field that the Titanic steamed through at over 20 mile an hour, they had been, and we sometimes think, oh, the Titanic was just an unfortunate accident. No, it was not. The captain, Captain Smith, had been warned over and over and over. The captain had been warned that there were icebergs, and not just one, but a whole field of them, but to slow down. 
but he thought he would be okay because it was a crystal clear night and he had the lookouts up in the crow's nest looking for icebergs. But do you know something? Just before the Titanic left dock, one of the officers was fired and he accidentally took the keys for the cabinet where the binoculars were kept. And so the crow's nest were up in the crow's nest looking for icebergs on a, on a pitch black night without their usual binoculars. Can you believe it? When the Titanic hit the iceberg, it was just, uh, for most in the ship, it was just a gentle rumble and a slight vibration. Do you know how long it took the Titanic to sink? Two and a half hours. From the time it hit that iceberg to the time it sank, two and a half hours. Now, how many people died in that sinking? About 1,700. About 800. They're not absolutely sure. Because everybody, it's not like today where they just didn't have tight lists. About 830, maybe 840, somewhere around there, got into lifeboats. And many of those lifeboats that they got into, you probably know this, were empty. Can you believe it? When the Titanic sank, it broke in two. Do you know what happened to the bodies of the Titanic? Because when you go down there today, and a lot of people have been down there in these little submersibles, and uh, you couldn't get me in one of them before last week for a million dollars. I just would not get in one. Not happening. I mean, why go down the submersible when you sit in the ship and send a, a robot down and look exactly what you'd be seeing in the submersible? Um, what happened to the bodies is they dissolved in a very short time. So when you go around the Titanic now on these submersibles, you know what you see? Shoes. Because the shoes were made of a substance that does not dissolve. And everywhere you see shoes, that was once a, a body. And so it's quite a story, the Titanic. The amazing thing is, and I think why the interest is there right now, is because last week, a submersible, and you know the story, with five men, four men and one boy, the boy was only, I think, about 17 years of age, went down to have a look at the Titanic. When they got down there, did you know, I don't know how carefully you've been following this, but when that ocean gate Titan, the submersible was called, got down there to that depth of, I think it's around 12,000 feet, did you know that they actually knew they were in trouble? Did you know that? Do you know how they know? Because there are weights on that little submersible. And those weights were ejected, they know this, two to three minutes before that little submersible, submersible imploded. Do you know when it imploded, it imploded, and I hope I get this right, with 10,000 pounds of pressure. A crocodile is 8,000. It was 10,000. It happened when it imploded. It happened within one one-thousandth of a second. And everybody on that little submarine perished in a moment. They didn't even have time to think about it. 
So why am I sharing this with you tonight? Well, besides the fact that I've got a very deep interest in the Titanic, I'd like to go out to the Titanic, as I said, even before this disaster. And I mean, I scared myself all week by going online and looking at pictures, especially on YouTube, because there's movie on YouTube, looking at pictures of the inside of this submersible. How many of you went and had a look like I did at the inside of that submersible? It was very scary. Five people crushed in there, you couldn't even stretch your legs out. I mean, when you get into that submersible, did you know that they actually locked you in with 12, 14 bolts and you couldn't open it even if you did get to the surface? I mean, I'm having a panic attack the moment I get into that thing. I remember when I was a kid, they locked me in one of those outdoor toilets. You know the, the ones I'm talking about? Those, uh, the ones you take to camp on a trailer when you've got a camp or something like that. What do they call them? Not outdoor. Uh, loos They locked me in one of them. I had such an attack of claustrophobia that I literally tore the thing down. My dad was a youth leader at that time, wasn't too happy the damage I'd done to the loo. But I had a panic attack. I was in a plane flying from... I was flying from... Jordan to Qatar and we had God bless them, some Filipino hostesses similar to you Indonesians Lizzie and they're used to a hotter temperature than us, well there's nothing worse than getting in a plane and having the Filipino hostesses turning up the temperature, can you imagine that? I didn't go well it's the only time Hunty was starting to panic but he looked across at me and he could see I was in full blown panic, he said I won't have to do anything because Lloyd's about to move here <laughs> and I moved they turned it down. Do you remember, Hunty? It went cool. So I went to sleep, and then they turned it up again. Oh, it was a great test on my Christian experience. But suffice to say that the second time, they didn't dare turn the heater up again. Um, but I get claustrophobia. If I'd been on the Titanic, I would have been very unhappy. Two and a half hours. It's enough time to think about it, True. And the reason I share this with you, because I reckon that on this planet, we are in a, we don't see it like this, and although I, I suspect some people do. We are in a place that is perishing. Just as a Titanic did, we are sinking. Just like that submersible did, we're about to implode. And thinking people out there know it. And you know, I believe that one of the reasons, not the only reasons, but one of the reasons there's so much mental health issues and problems out there is because people know this planet's going down, they're panicking, they're claustrophobic about where we are headed in this world and they are losing their mental stability. Do you get what I'm saying? They're losing it. And so I want to share with you just a very short story tonight and it's again another water story about how you, no matter what happens, don't have to panic in the claustrophobia of the perishing of this planet. And this is a very powerful little story. And I want you to watch very carefully. Again, this doesn't go long, and I want you to watch because I'm going to ask you a question. And when I ask you this question, those who have heard this before, maybe some of these guys up the front, don't want you guys answering it. Because pretty much when I ask this question at the end of this program, almost no one's ever got it. True, eh, Lizzie? And when you do get it, it's like the light going on in your head. Do you know when you're looking for something and then you can't get it and then you see it and you go, oh. You, you, you. So watch very carefully. You'll do that for me? Let's look at it. Luke 8, 22. It's up there. But if you've got Bibles, and if, if you haven't got Bibles, bring them tomorrow because we're going to be a Bible-based program series. Luke 8, verse 22. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat and started out. So this is just a simple story. Hunty and I, together with Harold Harker, you know who Harold Harker is, any of you met him? 
he's one of our, what would you call him, Hunty? He's our, he's, he's our father. <laughs> he's more our guide. This guy is full of a fountain of knowledge. So we go to Israel. We went to the Sea of Galilee. We went there. It was unbelievable. We actually caught a boat, you remember this, Hunty? Out onto the Sea of Galilee. But there was a problem because Harold, who was leading us, led us onto the wrong boat. They didn't say a word. They actually, you remember this, mate? They looked at the tickets. They said, welcome aboard. We went aboard. They took us 400 metres out into the Sea of Galilee. They stopped. They sang some song I'd never heard. talk us in. As we went to get off the boat, the captain came up and said, now that'll be $130 each. We got on the wrong boat and he hadn't told us. And so we'd wasted those tickets. But the Sea of Galilee is an amazing sea. It's not very big. It's like a big lake, just like a, not even a big dam. But it's an interesting place for a couple of reasons. One next to the Sea of Galilee is Syria. Did you know that? Did you know the Sea of Galilee is right on the border of Syria? And right up, rising up out of the Sea of Galilee are some mountains and they're called, and I wonder whether you've heard of this one, the Golan Heights. You ever heard of the Golan Heights? Massive walls up on the Golan Heights. I'll talk about that in a minute. Well, this is where this happened. The other thing I like about the Sea of Galilee, and I'm a vegetarian. Can you tell I'm a vegetarian? Did you know, and this might shock you, and I'm going to do a little bit of bragging here for a moment, since March the 1st until today, I have lost 20 kilos. Hallelujah, amen. It is. I think I need a clap for that, Lizka. I started off at 138 and I'm down to 118. So I think that's not too bad. But you know the Golan Heights, uh, not the Golan Heights, Galilee, I'm a vegetarian, remember I said that? But when I was there, guess what I wanted to taste? Fish, why? That's right. Because that's where Jesus went fishing. And so I bought some fish. Did you taste it over there too, Hunty? Was it? No, he's not interested. It was, for a vegetarian, delicious. Galilee fish, delicious. And it was an awesome thing to walk around Galilee where Jesus, hallelujah, praise the Lord, had been. How, how many have been here? Anyone been here? Is there anyone? You all got one? Not many. Well, we're kind of getting to a place where the world's coming to an end now, so you might never get the chance. But if you ever do, take it. Because, Hunty, I think I can say that was one of the experiences of our life, wasn't it? We were over there for three or four weeks. We filmed uh, Daylight to Dusk every day except for Sabbath. And had the most amazing time in Galilee. In Israel, even. I mean, I can tell you, I told you I'll be short tonight, so I better stick to that. Keep on me, Lizzie. In Israel, I'll tell you what, we saw the most amazing things. Um, things I'll never forget. Anyway, I might talk to you more about that tomorrow. So here we are, and Jesus says to his disciples, and they're on the Capernaum side, which is the opposite side to the Golan Heights. It's the Israeli side. They're on the Capernaum side of Galilee. And Jesus says, and, and, and of all the towns Jesus hung around in, the one he hung around the most was Capernaum. We don't get that. We think, oh, it's Nazareth, or surely it was Jerusalem. No, it wasn't. It was Capernaum. Right there on the water. It's beautiful. So Jesus says, let's get in this boat. I'm going to go to the other side. Okay, fair enough. Look what happens. 
Verse 23, as they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. Because the Golan Heights, and you couldn't imagine it. I grew up water skiing in Queensland next to beautiful Somerset Dam. Do you have dams around here you're skiing or anything like that? Or No, I don't like the river. Full of sharks. And you know it too. Full of bull sharks, am I right? I'm sure it is. Well, you don't want to fall off, do you? Um, one thing about Somerset we like, we, the, the Adventist campground up there, my dad built it, it's on a place called Barefoot Alley. We learned to ski there. Bare, we, we barefoot, we slalom, all of it. Um, when I saw the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Galilee, it was, I mean, we were there two or three days. It was dead smooth the whole time we were there. But apparently winds whistled down off the Golan Heights and the massive storms. So these dudes, they get into a storm. Verse 23. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down to the lake. The boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him, shouting, Master, 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 we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. And that's what happens when Jesus is around. So let me just make this relevant for you today. They get into a boat and they're crossing the lake. You and me get into a boat when we make a decision to follow Jesus, correct? Who's the captain of the boat? Yeah. And as we're sailing through life... We go through storms, and there are a lot of reasons you can have storms. It might be a temptation you're struggling to overcome, that you're falling down and you've got yourself into an addiction, you just can't get over it. That's a storm, true? And I don't know how many of you have been there. I have. It's a massive storm. And sometimes you think you're going to sink and you're going to perish and you just cannot get through. Maybe you're struggling financially. That's a storm. Or you're in a marriage that tries your might, or you might not be trying. It's just not working. You've fallen out of love with your wife. You've fallen out of love with your husband. Uh, perhaps there's someone else starting to take your attention. That's a storm. You're in a storm. Uh, it could be a whole heap of things. Your job, and you might be struggling with your job. You might be about to lose your job. You might not be able to pay your mortgage. You might be up into credit card debt. Your family, it just might not be working, not talking just your wife, it might not be working for your family. You might have kids like I have that don't follow Jesus Christ. That's a storm, it's a huge storm. And we get into these storms sometimes and we think that our boat is going to sink and we're not going to make it. And how do I know? Because I've been there a number of times. Lord, this boat is sinking, I better jump off because if I stay on I'm going to go down with it. And sometimes we think that it's the boat that's the Titanic, it's not the boat that's the Titanic, it's the water around us. Do you get that? It's a place where the storm is happening. That's the problem. And so they go to Jesus... And he flattens the lake and the storm disappears. And if you go to Jesus, I'll tell you one thing tonight, no matter how big the storm, no matter how bad it is, I'll guarantee you this, that no storm goes forever. Some of you are older, am I right? No storm goes forever. You go to Jesus, he will flatten the storm. As long as you don't get out of the boat, you will survive. So it seemed to me that the disciples did everything right. They got in the boat with Jesus. Jesus was with them. He had a nap. 
And sometimes we feel like Jesus is napping on us that he's far away. Even if you feel like that tonight, stay in the boat. I mean, don't get out of the boat. A couple of times I've been tempted. I was thinking about this the other day. It's a wonder the Lord hasn't thrown me out of the boat. But he's merciful and he's gracious. So we say hallelujah, amen to that for all of us. I mean, sometimes I talk about the church for a moment. We're too harsh on sinners, aren't we? I mean, sinners are people who have broken down, who have failed, but if they're still in the... I'll talk to the Christians here for a moment. If they're still in the church, you want to praise God because they haven't jumped out of the boat. They might, be, they might have done stuff. They might, you know, maybe they deserve to be thrown out of the boat, but you don't throw no one out of the boat. Because if you throw someone out of the boat, chances are you're going to fall out with them. If they're in the boat and there's a chance... Well, if they're in the boat, the chances are they're going to survive, no matter what the storm is in their lives. Does that make sense, what I'm saying here? Now, look at this. And as I said, this thing's coming, this little talk now is coming to the climax. This is where it really hits home. Verse 25. Then he asked them, Jesus said, so the storm stops, all is calm, and then Jesus said, where is your faith? It's almost like he's irritated. The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man, they asked each other, when he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him? It's like Jesus is irritated with them. Do you get that sense too? He says to them, where's your faith? Now look at it. What have they done wrong? They got on the boat with Jesus. Is that right? So if you get in the boat with Jesus, is that a good thing? They get in a storm. Did they bring the storm? They were afraid of the storm. Is that okay to be afraid of the storm you're in? They went to Jesus in the middle of the storm. He was napping, but they still went to him. So even if you feel he's far away, go to Jesus. Was that the right thing to do? So they wake Jesus up. They're afraid. They say, look, we're perishing. Were they going to perish? Was the boat going to sink? Or more than likely, the storm was that big. So Jesus gets up and he calms the storm. Now here's my question. And if you've heard this before, don't answer. Why was Jesus irritated with them? Because here's the key to us walking through the end times. This is the key. And if you don't get it, the light will go on in your head. Why was Jesus irritated with them? They what? That's a good answer. You know, I've never heard a bad answer on this one. They didn't go to him earlier. What do you reckon? They didn't have enough faith. Yeah, I like that. It's a good answer. These are all fantastic answers. And they're so close to the answer. I think you're, actually you're one of the more intelligent congregations we've had, aren't they, Lizka? How many of you are farmers up here? There's a few of us, us, us farmers. We come from good stock. We're good thinkers out there with the cows in the quiet of the farm. You know, I come from a dairy farm. When I went to Sydney, I couldn't stand it, and I went and bought a farm. Hallelujah, amen. And then that farm, we put the studio on it, and you wouldn't believe it. It flooded. 1.6 metres through our studio, blew the whole thing away last year. You don't think that was a storm? 
probably $150,000-$200,000 worth of damage. Lost the entire studio. Lost the lost all the cameras, lost all the sound, lost everything we'd worked hard, lost the actual building of the studio downstairs itself because when we pulled the jip rock off it was full of mould. 1.6 metres the storm went through. Someone was going to say something here, yeah? Oh, I like these answers. They tried it first to resolve them themselves. Look, you're actually all right on the edge. Some of you could even argue are right. Up the back there. Love that. All these are fantastic answers. And, oh, better be careful, I'll fall over again. <laughs> you know what? The, 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 the subject I'm going to preach tomorrow, how you are saved. I discovered this when I was 30 two or three years old. The first time I preached it, I got so excited. It's not the first time I fell over. I fell off the back of the stage. <laughs> um, anyone else want to give it a go? And then uh, The answer's actually in the text. And, and when I read it to you, you'll go, yeah, I get it. Verse 22, hunty. Can, can, is it, am I putting too much pressure for you to put that up? Uh, without me saying anything, see if you, if you can find the answer there. It's in that text. If you do, put your hand up. The answer is in that text, yep. What do you reckon? Did the light come on in your head? Because Jesus said, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. You must be a farming girl. No? You live in Taree, don't you? Oh, Wingham. You are then. That's why you've got that good fresh air and it's helping that brain to work. You are right on the money. Because Jesus said, let us cross to the other side of the lake. And when you get in the boat with Jesus and he says you're crossing to the other side of the lake, you're crossing to the other side of the lake. You get it? Powerful, isn't it? Little story, full of power. So yes, we are on the Titanic. We are on the HMS Titanic. She is going down. She is going to sink. You are on the submersible. It is going to implode. But although you're on the Titanic, there's a lifeboat. And that lifeboat's name is Jesus. And if you get in that lifeboat, no matter how big the storm, no matter how much the turbulence as the Titanic goes down, you are going to be okay. So the question tonight is, as Jesus invites you, are you prepared to get in the lifeboat? You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Harold Harker. I suppose I better put the microphone down. <laughs> yeah, honey. let's try again. <laughs> that would be one of the great muck ups. <laughs> I'm talking to him and my microphone's stuck up in the air. Uh, Harold Harker, are you there? Hi there, Lloyd. We're here and ready for it. How are you, mate? It's good. Good today. That's good. That's good. Beautiful weather at the moment. Yes, it is. Um, we're going to talk about a guy called John Owen. Interesting, interesting fellow. Uh, tell us about where he was born. He was born in Oxfordshire in a little place, Dadhampton, which is near, not far from Oxford University. So he was born in England. That's right. Uh, have you been to where he was born? Because I know you travel around a fair bit, Harold. No, I haven't been to that little place. No, but you've been not far away. I know that because you've been to Oxford. 
That's for sure. Um, was he well educated? I ask that. It's a question I ask you almost every week, and and every week you almost give me the same answer. Always well educated. These people who led the church and made great strides were well educated. And this guy, he went to the University of Oxford and 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 went in Queen's College there. What religion was he back then? Well, he was a Puritan. So they wanted to live a pure life for God. Okay, so Puritan was a Protestant? Yes. Do we know what they believed, more or less? Was it basic Protestant doctrine? It was basic Protestant. Believe in Jesus and live for him, and may others see Jesus through you. So it was very important that they live for Jesus and were an example to the world. That's why they called Puritans pure. Pure. Yeah, okay. So he goes to college. He's a Puritan. He's well-educated. He becomes a chaplain. Who did he become the chaplain to? He was a chaplain to one of the knights, Sir Robert Dormer, and then to one of the lords, Lord Lovelace. So when you're a chaplain to one of these guys, what, is it just basically your responsibility to look after their spiritual life? Well, some of them would think you have to confess to the chaplain, but he would give him a message either every day or every week and encourage him to be a good Christian. Okay, so... Could be a challenging job, especially if you had a recalcitrant sort of a man you were serving. Um, there's a civil war in England that breaks out. What was that all about? Well, it was in that they rebelled against King Charles uh, and he didn't like it and Oliver Cromwell led the parliamentary party to unseat the king and to have Cromwell, who was not a Puritan, and so they wanted Protestantism in the greatest form across the country. So it was the Parliament was Protestant, is that right? Well, they had a majority then, yes. And the King was Catholic, or we're not sure? Yes, he was. So the Protestant Parliament rises up against the Catholic King in England and there's a war. Whose side did Owen take? Well, he took the side of the Parliamentary Party, and of course that means if you're on the side of the Parliament and Cromwell, you're against the King, and so he lost his fortune, any hope of it, because he came from Wales and had a, a fortune there in England, in Wales. Did the king take that? Well, he couldn't do too much about it. He lost it. So do we know how he lost it? Or, I mean, was it taken from him by the king, or we're not sure? Well, when, you, when you're again the king, the, the, the king's side, the cavaliers, they would have taken the property. Okay. Did he ever get that back, or was it lost forever? I don't know. Yeah, so what you've got early on in his life is he's, he's paying a, a pretty heavy price, again, like Whoa. they often did, for his Protestantism. Um, I'm going to ask you what is a Calvinist, and then I'll give the question why I asked that. Can you just tell us briefly what a Calvinist is? Calvinist comes from John Calvin, who led the Protestant work in Geneva, and he believed in predestination that God has chosen those who will be there. It's not your free will. You're just in or you're out according to God's will. Now, just for our listeners, neither Harold or I believe that. Um, we believe you make your own choice and God gives everyone opportunity to serve or not to serve him. Where was Owen on this? What did he write about Calvinism? Well, he was a real Calvinist and he wrote, uh, wrote a book, The Display of Arminianism. Uh, uh, John Wesley, he, became, he was an Arminian believed in free choice. You choose Jesus, and uh, John Owen didn't believe in that. When we look at these guys and their lives, 
when we know that Arminianism in the end was the truth, that everybody has a choice to choose Jesus or not, and if, if that wasn't the case, we wouldn't have this radio program. Um, it'd be it'd be pointless, um, and we see guys like John Owen who take the other side, which at the time wasn't truth. Do you think that should change our opinions and our views of them, or do you think we should just look at the fact that they were growing in Christ and it was a part of the journey? Well, we've got to look at the what the situation was at that time, and it was totally different today. But that's where he was then. Okay, even though we wouldn't agree theologically. Correct. Did he ever marry? Yes. And just after the war started, that civil war, in 1644, he married a Mary Rook. Well, tell us about his family, because it's not a great story, really. Not a good story. They had 11 children, but 10 of them, that's all but one, 10 died in infancy. What a tremendous uh, situation he was in. Was that normal? Well, probably not as much as that, but it was... Infants often died in those days. And not long after, his own wife died. So he loses all his kids and his wife. That's right. Well, she would, she lived for another 30 years. Oh, okay, okay. So did he remarry after she died? Well, when she died, he found another woman, uh, Dorothy O'Doyley, and she was a very wealthy widow. So he got his money back that way. Okay. Maybe God blessed him. Um, <laughs> uh, Hunty, we made a mistake. We we didn't marry wealthy women, brother. <laughs> did you marry a wealthy girl, I, Harold? I did not. No, no. no. We <laughs> so there's a war. Finally, the parliamentarians win. What happens to Charles I? And immediately after, what did the parliament ask uh, John Owen to do? Well, they were so enraged with this king that they voted to cut his head off. He was beheaded, and after that, John Owen was asked by the parliament to come and preach in the first parliament after the king lost his head. Hmm. So he's a a very well-known and respected preacher. So you've got yet another servant of the Lord moving up through the ranks and having a major impact on the nation and in the world at the time. He then goes to Ireland. Why? Well, Oliver Cromwell thought so much of John Owen that he took him to Ireland as his chaplain in his group. Now, Cromwell was the leader of the parliamentarians, so he's he's really ministering now to the most powerful man in the land. That's right. And he travelled to Scotland. Uh, same thing? Yeah, same thing. Cromwell asked him, come up to Scotland with me. Where did he then become a pastor? And was it an important, was it an important pulpit? Yes, it was. Christ Church in the Cathedral in Oxford, he became the dean of that place, in charge of it, and... Uh, He was also, at that time, the Chancellor of Oxford University. So when you're in charge of a university, you're the main pastor in the big church there. That's a pretty important place. It is. Um, So he's in the university, very important job. He's a pastor of the local church. Uh, Did he stop writing or did he keep writing? No, he kept writing. And uh, while he was in Oxford, he wrote... Uh, a book showing that God cannot forgive without an atonement, and we believe in that. Yeah. The atonement of Jesus forgives our sins, and he wrote about that. In other words, he's talking about Jesus taking our sins to the cross, and that's how God's able to forgive us because the price right. has been paid. Um, let's go back to Armenianism for a moment. 
Armenianism yeah. is the idea, the concept, the belief, the theology that everybody has an opportunity for salvation. Everybody can accept the call to Jesus, and everybody has that right. Owen, we've already um, shown that he was against it. Do, do we really know why he was against it? Well, I guess they came up in the Calvinistic viewpoint, which was again that, and there were the Presbyterians were again that too for quite a while. Okay. So we're just going to have to accept that that's the position he t- took, even if we don't like it. Sure. Well, why did he lose his job at Oxford University? Well, Oliver Cromwell dies, and so his patron is now off the picture, and he loses his job. Which is the way of the things in those days. Um, but it wasn't the end for him. He was invited. Oh, this really surprised me. So, so here you have this very powerful churchman really has a great influence in england he's invited to move to america uh what was the job was it an important one well he was to be the minister of the congregational church in boston that's that's a what a, come over to boston and be the chief minister here what a chance but he declines that do we know why he declined it or not really I don't know. I don't know. He didn't probably want to go right then to America at that stage. So it wasn't the end of his invitations there because something happened in 1671. He was he's invited to something else. Did he take it up? Yes, he did. He went over and he was invited to be the president of Harvard College, now Harvard University. Would that now, be similar yeah. to being the vice chancellor? Yes, he would. He was that in Oxford University, and they say come over America and do their job over here. Okay, and do we know much about how he went? Well, he would have didn't stay there a lot of time, but he was there just briefly, I'd say. When did he retire, and what did he do after it? Because he, he didn't just stop. No, he didn't stop, but when he retired, he was able to help others. Uh, for instance, he would make a special plea for John Bunyan, and we've talked about John Bunyan before, and he was in prison for a lot of years, and he spoke to the authorities, why don't you let John go? And so he did that. So eventually they let John go as a direct influence of Owen. Yeah. Was he a good preacher? He was wanted in any one who had a pulpit, come and preach here. That was the invitation wherever he went, and he was a wanted preacher, so he was a great guy. So he's well-educated. He rose high in the land. He had a great influence for God on the leaders of England. He even went to the United States and had an impact there. He helped to secure the release of John Bunyan, perhaps one of the most famous Christians of his. So, by the way, why was John Bunyan in prison, Harold? Because he wouldn't stop preaching. That's right. <laughs> so, so obviously he believes in the freedom of the gospel. When did he die? He died in 1683. Reasonably old man for those times. Yes, um, he was. How you go on? He's buried in the cemetery right opposite John Wesley's house and church. Okay. How should we remember this man? As a great guy who, while he was educated, he certainly stood for Jesus in many ways and had an influence right across the nation. And I believe that's a great thought for anyone. Thank you for the story again of John Owen, Harold. I really appreciate it. Yet another one I'd never heard of. It's great finding out about these men and women who have had such a great impact for Jesus in the past. See you next time, brother. 
Very interesting hearing the stories of these guys. Mm, very. Uh, he's a complicated fellow, that guy. And what, what I mean by that, he did a lot of good things, even though, for me, biblically, he wasn't right on spot with everything. He did a lot of great things for God and certainly advanced the cause of Christ in a very turbulent time in both uh, Britain and North America. And what we don't realise, Hunty, is these guys actually laid the foundations. Mm. Christ used them to, to lay the foundations for the churches of Protestantism that we now belong to. Absolutely. So uh, thank you, Harold. That's a really great segment. Yeah, now... um. Uh, Hunty, yes. before we go into the next song, yes. is it too late for Ask the Aussie no, Pastor? No, let me give it a quick shout out. Uh, if you'd love to send us your questions for Ask the Aussie Pastor, we'd love to have them. You can text them to us on 0488 or you can email us, and the email address is theaussiepastor at gmail.com. Now, I'm looking at our program. Have we gone askew here, Hunty? Yeah, maybe. I'm going to work it out during this next song. <laughs> I, I want the other song. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that we've missed out on. Sure. Well, I don't know how that... Song, I have which... no idea how... Go, go back in the program. Yeah, pro. okay. Uh, my Redeemer is faithful. I have no, no idea... No idea how we missed that? How we missed okay. that. Maybe we went straight... Maybe it was my fault. I'll, I'll take the blame. No, nope. I'm happy to play this song now. Yeah, good, mate. Let's listen to it. It's called My Redeemer is Faithful. I like it. I haven't heard it before. It's from Fountain View, one of my favourite colleges in all the world. I like it. I like this song a lot. I hope you do too. As I look back on this road I've traveled I see so many times He's carried me through And if there's one thing that I've learned in this life My Redeemer is faithful and true My Redeemer is faithful and true Everything He has said He will do Every morning His mercies are new My Redeemer is faithful and true My heart rejoices when said he will do. Every morning his mercies are new. My Redeemer is faithful and true. And in every situation he has proved his love for me.
and true Everything He has said He will do Every morning His mercies are new My Redeemer is faithful and Jesus is faithful and true. I really like that song, Hunty. Yeah. I really, really like it a lot. Those are three kids, all of them are under 17. So they're really young, very mature voices. It's a great school for music, that one coming out of Canada. So much talent, mate. They so have, much talent. They have, and they keep bringing out beautiful new songs. And oh, Look, I know the song. I've heard it a, a heap of times. But they, that rendition is really beautiful about how Jesus is faithful, he's true, even when sometimes, hunty, we are not. Mm. Uh, I want to invite you to our church this Sabbath. I'm coming back. I've been away from New Hope for a couple of weeks, mate. Indeed. Out Putting together programs for Jesus for a video with you, mate. As we said earlier, yeah, in this good program. times, good times. Oh, for you sleeping in your plush My limousine in the back of the car. I want to let you know, <laughs> listeners. Not once, not once did he offer me to to get out of that car and sleep in the tent for, for one night and let me I in said the you car. Could sleep under the car in the rain that yeah, night. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. I think the listeners will know you're fibbing because it hasn't rained. We're in the middle of a drought. So, yes, for, for weeks, two weeks or more now, I've been sleeping on the hard, cold ground while he's been uh, living it up in his Luxuriating car. Luxuriating in the back of You've got electricity car. in that car? I've got a heater, a thermostatically controlled heater. I've got electricity. You've got a fan? I've got an edit suite and a server. I've got a fan. So each night we go, each day we go out and shoot. What do you do at night? I'm editing. Editing or watching videos or on YouTube. No, just editing, that's pretty much or it. Or talking to his wife, because he's quite a romantic, <laughs> this guy. You know, whenever well, yeah, he's well, away, of he'll, course. he'll spend an hour to an hour and a half yeah, every evening talking to wife. his, to his wife and, and all this stuff. Yes. Um, on his U-Butte iPhone, which is about 35 models ahead of mine. Um, yes. It's only yes. 13. Yeah. I'm a couple behind. I'm a, I've got about an iPhone 3, I think. <laughs> oh, no, it's yeah. a 10, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> you do. You, you gave me your old one. True that. Well, you didn't give it to no, me, but you it. sold it to me very cheap. Yes, yeah, And true. I appreciate that very much. So so if you ever wonder how it works, uh, I'm supposed to be the boss, but I'm the one doing it hard on the ground. Look, you took your car last time when I was on the ground and said so that, that... Yeah, but you had a huge tent and a great big plush bed. I had a huge tent that was blown over on my nose. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say I enjoyed And it was a lot of rain that trip too. I, I don't want to say I enjoyed watching that, but... <laughs> i got a, I got a song I want to play. No, not yet. Not yet. I want to invite yeah. you to church this Sabbath. We're coming back. Yes. Um, what's our address, Hunty? Uh, for Samuel Place, Quakers Hill, just behind the Aldi. I'm preaching direct from the Bible. It's of course, a, it's as a, always. Yeah, mm. it's a ripper of a subject. And so we begin worship in our church at 10 o'clock. We do. Um, that is with a Bible study where we kind of get in smaller groups we gather we have great Bible studies in that church mm -hmm. big discussions arguments nah no. but robust discussions that's course, for sure of course. and we all learn a lot and it's a actually that time of Bible study we were in different small groups and you can choose to go whichever one you, you want to if you're there um, 
the time goes so fast, we really need more time, don't we? Hunter? Always, always. Then we get into a worship service yep. where we're doing good um, music. Oh yeah, beautiful. Mm. We, we have a fantastic music team. We do. Um, we're doing great music, and I guarantee you, because I'm preaching this week that it's going to be, and it is every week anyway, Bible-based from the Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit. It will bless you, it will be relevant, and you're going to go away after worship at New Hope better than you came. So if you are in northwest Sydney, mm. in northwest Sydney. Come and join us. Where again, Hunty? For Samuel Place, behind the alley at Quakers Hill. Okay, I think we will listen to another song. Nice. This one. Um, How deep? The Father's, the Father's Love. love. Yeah. The Mayors. Again, I like this. Look, I, if you get a chance, go and have a look at these guys and this song on YouTube. I saw them and I thought, because you've got an old man and an old woman who look old. Hey, like, they're like, our age. Yeah, I was about to Dial say that. Back a bit, well, mate. I, was, I was about to say, who look old because they look like us. Oh, yeah, there you go. I was about to say that. You, you cut me. Okay, yeah. I was about to... I was to about, the chase. Yeah. And then you've got a young man and a young woman, but they look pretty ordinary sort of people. But their voices and this song is very, very special. Um, the Mayo's How Deep the Father's Love. Answer. 
Guys, never heard them before. Like their the way they um, harmonise with each yes, other. Really good. Um, look, look to me like husband, wife, mum, and dad, and it was beautiful. Uh, this is a video of a guy called Michael Walsh who goes um, snowboarding, mm. but he's free snowboarding up in the mountains, well away from all the lifts. I'd like to get you up in the mountains, <laughs> free snowboarding, hunty. I'd get you on top of one of those mountains and I'd push, push you me off. off. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> and I'd watch with joy. Something goes bad, him and his brother, and it goes real bad, and the story is amazing. All of a sudden, everything starts to let go. The ledge and everything. By this time, I you know, lost my sight of Matt, and the cloud of snow was so big, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face, thinking he's dead, and there's no way I'm ever going to find him. Michael Walsh and his younger brother Matt thought they had found the perfect spot for backcountry snowboarding in Wyoming. The mountain bowl had an overhanging snowdrift and deep powder. They parked Michael's truck and climbed to the steepest point, never thinking about avalanche danger. It's kind of just a cliff, basically, a snow cliff that builds up with all the wind. And as it blows, it just kind of curls and curls and curls and just builds up a big ledge. Well, we were sitting right on the edge of it. The original plan was we were both going to go down at the same time. I don't know why I changed the plan. He was already strapped in, and I had one binding strapped in at this time. And I uh, looked over at him, and I was like, Hey, Matt, what are you waiting for? His brother Matt jumped off the ledge and hit the slope below, triggering a massive avalanche. All I hear, pop, 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 the whole bowl, let's go. And it sounds like a freight train running right over. Matt slid hundreds of feet down the mountain, caught in the avalanche. The wall of snow behind him hit hard burying him under three feet of heavy packed snow. Michael looked on helplessly. As soon as the snow clears, he no sign of him, nothing. There's just rocks and sagebrush and dirt kicked, ripped up out of the ground on top of the snow. To see him disappear like that, and I couldn't stop it, that was very hard. Michael had a decision to make. Run to his truck to call search and rescue, or try and find his brother on his own. If I went and looked first, there was no way I was getting back up that hill by myself to call research and rescue again. And uh, so I just cried out to God, said, God, what do I do? And I heard him just as loud as you're talking to me, you know, go find your brother. I never heard God speak to me like that before, and that was, it rocked me. He ran down the hill frantically calling his brother's name. As soon as I get onto the slide area where it all settled, it's just, destruction and no sign I'm looking for a hat a tip of his board a hand something sticking out of the snow nothing and then I start to second guess myself you know is that really God telling me to go find my brother 
I just, I realized there's no way I was going to find him. And there's nothing, no sign of him. That, and then I finally came to a point, and I just kind of like gave up. I don't sound terrible to give up, but I mean, there's nothing to see. I couldn't see him. I couldn't see any sign of him. Matt lay buried deep in the heavy snow, unable to move, running out of air and hope. Right when I realized that I was buried, um, and there was no, there was no way I was moving my body. I, I was certain I was going to die. I, at that point, I had given up on, on trying to get out. I knew I was going to die. But as he lay there praying, he says he felt God's presence with him. The peace I felt in that moment was, was amazing. Um, it was, it was I, I would say it, it was him with me in the moment. Um, so I, I was ready. I, I knew where I was going. I wasn't scared. He heard God speak to him and remind him of a prophecy given to Matt's mother when she nearly miscarried him as a baby, that the baby would not die but live, and God would do great things through his life. When he spoke to me, I had hope. It was like, okay, this isn't it. You know, he's going to rescue me from this. He's going to save me. Um, it's not going to stop here. You know, he's, he's still got a plan for my life and a purpose for my life. Matt says hope propelled him to action. He had an air pocket near his face, and he was able to dig one arm towards the surface. Meanwhile, Michael stood directly above him, unaware of his location. Pretty much about to fall to my knees and just lose all hope in it. So I just yell one more time, Matt! It's like the wind's blowing 60 miles an hour. So when you're wearing a hood and a hat, you can't hear very well. Everything goes dead silent. I just hear, Mike, I'm fine. There's no way I should have heard him in that. With how hard the wind is blowing, well, I turn and I take a step back. I look under my left foot right before I sit down. I see a hole about the size of a baseball in the snow. And I start digging frantically. Well, I dug about two feet. And that is, I'm like, I was crazy, you know. That wasn't really him. And I just kept digging, kept digging. I dug another foot. And I could see the Oakley symbol on his jacket that I just bought him like a week before that. And I dug to his face. And I could see his face that he was still alive and okay. I started crying like a baby. I was just, I mean, I was so happy, but so scared all at the same time. He spent the next half hour digging Matt out of what could have been a snowy grave. They say it was only by God's grace that they made it out alive. He led me right to the spot where Matt was. I mean, I didn't know where he was. I had no idea which direction he was, which the way it swept him, you know. And to leave me dead center on top of him, that's not coincidence. Everything was just, fell into place, just perfect. God met me there and was standing there and held my hand all the way down that and kept me safe and him safe. I think I survived because God has a bigger plan for my life. You know, he, yeah, he has big things in, in store for me, um, and I don't think that he was going to let that be foiled by an avalanche. I think that he, he, he wasn't, it wasn't his will. I'm definitely very thankful you know, that God would that God would rescue me from this, that he would work it out in a way that, that we both come out okay. Definitely the scariest thing I've ever had to happen to me in my life. I mean, watching my best friend and thinking he's dead, there's no way I'm ever going to find him. And then, you know, having the Lord just meet me there on that hill and be there with me the whole time. He was there, and he hears your prayers and, and your time of need. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM.
That was Vastor Goodman, and she passed away a few years ago, but up until she passed away, she was like a mother in Israel over there in America for a spiritual, religious, Christian, Protestant mm. music. Mm. Um, going to do a Bible study, Hunty. Nice. I'm going to talk about the cycle of evangelism. Do you have any idea what that means? If I had a dollar yes. for every time in the last 33 years, and I say this respectfully, someone had come to me and said, I've got the answer to winning people to Jesus Christ. But yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a cycle that you've got to go. Uh, look at church talks and lots of Christian churches talk in this jargon. Talk and talk and but talk. to me, evangelism is when I go out well, evangelism, and meet some... Just so people know what yep. evangelism is, yep. it means... The process of winning a friend, someone you know, to Jesus yep. Christ. That's what I was going to say. How do you do it? Yep. That's the question. And so the church, over the last 30, 40, 50 years, and it's not just Adventism, it's a Christian Protestant church, has developed program after program where everyone claims they have the answer. Mm. But I don't think uh, it is that complicated. So just for a few moments today in this Bible study, I want to look at the cycle of evangelism, or if you want to put it in English, how someone is one to Christ. Nice. This is the first thing that happens. Mark chapter 4, you've got the story of Jesus in the boat. I preached about it just before on this program. They're in the boat. Yep. And they're on the way across the lake. What happens? A storm comes up. Hunty, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Why do you think Jesus was going to the other side of the lake? I don't know. Think about it. They call it the Sea of Galilee, but it's a lake, right? But why is he going to the other side of the lake? I don't know. I forget. Who was on the other side? A man who was possessed ah, of demons. Yes. Thank Jesus you. is going across the lake to get to the man possessed by demons. Jesus is coming after him. Satan throws up a storm. What does Jesus do? Mark 4, verse 39, Hunty. Let's remind our listeners. Well, Jesus was asleep on the boat, wasn't he? Yeah, but what okay. does he do? Okay. But we've had we've had this just before. This is it. We had the whole sermon in this. Yes, uh, we I did. know you weren't listening, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mark four thirty nine. What did Jesus do when the storm came up? Satan's trying to stop Jesus getting to the other side of the lake. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, "Silence, be still." Suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. So the first, the first thing that must happen. In the cycle of evangelism. Yes. You like that word? I do. The first thing that must happen if you're going to ever share Jesus with anyone else is you must recognize Jesus is coming after you. Nice. And nothing will stop him, not a storm, not a person, not Satan, the devil himself will stop Jesus getting to you. Love it. That's the first thing. Jesus will come after you. He comes after you whether you ask him or not because he reads the heart and he knows when you're ready to hear a call from him. And he's going for the demon-possessed man, and he'll go for you too. The second thing that happens, he gets to the other side, the demon-possessed man, he's there in the tombstones, he runs out, he's in chains, he's mad, he's frothing at the mouth, he runs towards Jesus, you see the story, the disciples, they see him, they turn around and run for the boat, (laughs) leave Jesus there by himself to face the demon-possessed man. You think Jesus was afraid? No. Jesus had come for a storm to get to this man, and the demons cry out, And what does Jesus do? Mark chapter 5, verse 8. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, 
Come out of the man, you evil spirit. He cast the evil spirit out. He out. saved him. Mm. In one second, in one moment, yep. this guy went from being a demon-possessed man. Jesus had come across the lake through a storm to get to him. He gets out of the boat. Everybody runs except Jesus. Man runs at him, demons and all. And Jesus casts the demons out, works a miracle, and he saves him. And Jesus will save you too. Mm. Not saying you've got demons inside of you, but whatever you've got, whatever your struggle is, no matter what your battle is, no matter how anxious, no matter where you are, Jesus will save you if you let him. He'll call you and he will save you. What happened then? Mark 5 verse 13. So Jesus gave them permission. Gave who? The evil spirits are inside this man. Yep. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. And people say, oh, that's so awful. Mm. Jesus let those demons go into those pigs. What's he doing? You got any idea what he's doing here, Hunty? None? Nope. Ever thought about it? No, it Because this is an important lesson. Me. The demons were inside the men and they were destroying, they were killing him. Yep. They go out of the men, they go into the pigs. Why? Because Jesus wants us to see what happens if we don't have a conversion oh, experience like to him. I like that. What happens? Well, better to the pigs than a human being. Yeah. Jesus made humans, Jesus died humans. They're at the top of the chain to Jesus. He yes. came for humans, not pigs. Jesus yes. didn't want to kill the pigs, but he, he needed to let people know what happened if the demons left unchecked in their life. And when Jesus comes and saves you, you will look back and you'll say, thank God, because there but the grace of God go I where those pigs went, straight down into the lake and drown. Mm. So Jesus comes across for a storm to get to this man. Yep. See what's happening? Cycle of evangelism. Yep. This is what happens. Jesus comes across for a storm to get him. He saves the man. And now the man looks back and goes, wow, you saved me from that. You saved me from death. Mm. Full of appreciation. Full of love. And we know that because of what happens now. Mark chapter 5, verse 18 through to 20. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him and everyone was amazed at what he told them. Now watch what happens here. He's in love with Jesus. Yep. He wants to go with Jesus. He said, let me get in the boat. I want to come with you. I don't want to ever leave you, Jesus. Yep. I mean, your instinct when you get a conversion to Jesus, you realize he saved you from death. He saved you from drowning in the lake. He saved you from the demons. He came for a storm to get you. The instinct is, hey, Jesus, I want to be with you. Come get me. Take me back to heaven. I want to be with you. I want nothing to separate us, Jesus. Come get me. Jesus says, no, not right now. You go back into your town. You go back into your village. You go back to your suburb. You go back to your city. You go back to where you come from and you tell people about what... See, you've got to have a testimony, hunty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This guy had a t- testimony. Huge he was demon-possessed. He was mad. He was in chains. He was frothing at the mouth. Anyone who went into that cemetery, he would attack. Everybody in the region of the ten cities, they used to call it the Decapolis, knew that this guy was crazy. And he has an encounter with Jesus. He completely changes. He's sane. He's dressed. He's got a light in his eyes. And he goes back and he begins to tell people about what Jesus has done for him. People don't need Lloyd Grolleman on radio. They don't need Lloyd Grolleman on television or on video or on social media. People need to hear from you, our listeners, if you've had this sort of encounter with Jesus. That's how... We're going to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. One-on-one people sharing their testimony. And when you do that, it's powerful because Jesus was in an area. If you read this story, when those pigs 
thousands of them, whatever it was, went into the lake. They wanted to get rid of Jesus. They said, quick, get in the boat, go. And Jesus was forced to go. But he left that man there, and that man started to tell them about Jesus. What happens? And this is the crux of the story. Mm. Here's the power of the cycle of evangelism. In other words, this is how you share Jesus. Uh, Mark chapter 7. So Jesus so left. Now, now, by the way, just yes. context, sorry. Yes. This is two, three months. Uh, no, this is two, three, four. We don't know. Days, months, weeks later. We don't know. But it's a little bit later. What happens? Yep. So Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the Ten Towns. Jesus comes back. Mm. He goes away, but yep. then he comes back. You with yep. me, Hunter? Yep. What happens? This is a couple of chapters later, same book. So there are about 4,000 men in the crowd that day, and Jesus sent them home after It's him. a fantastic miracle. 4,000 mm-hmm. men, at mm-hmm. least 4,000 women, at least 4,000 kids, 12,000 people. When Jesus comes back and lands on the seashore of the Lake of Galilee, near the Ten Towns, near the Decapolis, that's what it was called again, the place that had told Jesus to go, now 12,000 people are waiting for him to hear from him. Fantastic. What do you think happened? Well, the... The guy who used to have the demons must have gone around and told everyone how great Jesus was. One demoniac brought 12,000 people to Jesus. Amen. There's how you share Jesus. That's the cycle of evangelism. Just for me and you. Hallelujah. <coughs> How's that? Oh, I surrender.
of a song okay so we've got like two minutes left so it's time for us the aussie pastor let's get straight into it that because we got no time uh yeah i think i may have i think i may have messed up the run sheet <laughs> well, it's not you we do it's me talking too much go for it mate all right here we go first question is we can look look what is the sin against the holy spirit that god cannot forgive a lot of people worry about that one and i'm not so sure why is that the unpardonable sin yeah, and a lot of people really do worry about it. There's no need to worry about it because the unpard- if you've got a conscience and if Jesus is talking to you and if he's convicting you of sin and he's you know, calling you to a decision with him, you haven't committed the unpardonable sin. Not sure in 33 years of ministry I've m- ever met someone who who's committed the unpardonable sin. I used to think committing the unpardonable sin was, you know, swearing against the Holy Spirit or something, you know, using a curse. It's not. It's just constantly refusing to listen to the call of God to follow Jesus to the point where Jesus finally gives up and sadly shrugs his shoulders and shoulders and has to walk away because he knows that he could call you a billion times and you would never come. Hmm. So it's, it's just constant rejection of the Holy Spirit, just saying no, 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 and continuing to say no all your life, and people do that. Right. Hmm. All right. Does the Bible support slavery? No. There's a short answer to that, not a Very chance. Short no, no, no way. I could get into it more. I could talk about what slavery was in Israel. It wasn't slavery as we know it today. It was an indentured servant where if you owed someone money, you'd go and say, well, I'm worth $30,000 every six months. I owe you sixty, so I'm going to work to you for a year, and then I'll work my, my debt to you off. They did not, the Israelites, the Jews, the Hebrews were never supposed to be into slavery And we weren't in it today And here's the proof of it Every Bible-based culture on the planet has done away with slavery And has always been the first to do it mm. Alright, time for one more um, Does God get angry at me for sin? Will God leave me because of my sin? Uh, does he get angry with you for your sin? I think we're out of time The quick answer is yes sometimes 
I've had God angry with me, but oh, yeah. his anger is, his discipline is righteous and it's always to draw you back, to bring him to you. Will he leave you? Well, that's what the unpardonable sin is. Mm. It's when after constant, constant years, I don't know how long, only God knows, knowing that no matter how long he sends the Holy Spirit, you'll never come. Yeah, he will leave eventually, but he's never lost any of you because if he had, if you wouldn't be listening to me today. Right. Because when you listen to me, we're yes. making a call for you right now we to are. make a decision to follow Jesus. There's a proof you haven't committed the unpardonable sin because I'm calling you right now. Follow Jesus. Make a decision for him. Best thing you'll ever do. Yep. All right, Lou, what's our last song? Tell the Mountain, Fountain View Academy. In the foothills of sorrow Looking up from the valley of fear You can see doubt off in the distance And you're about to lose heart right here But don't ever give in, don't ever give up God is with you and you'll overcome No mountain will tell you That you can't make it over joining us today i hope you got a little insight into jesus how beautiful he is let's pray father in heaven bless every one of our listeners may they see how beautiful jesus is and may through your holy spirit they desire to know him a little more is my prayer in your name amen
My name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor, and I love you. And my name's Hunty Man in Black in the Tech, and I love you too. But you know what? Jesus loves you so much more. And I think that's the end of the program, mate. See you next time. Yeah, bye-bye, and toodaloo. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 